This is James C. Burns, Sergeant Frank Woods of Call of Duty Black Ops. You're listening to GamerNode.com. Welcome to the Versus Node Podcast, Game of the Year Edition. I'm Eddie Anzotto, your host and executive editor of GamerNode.com, and we are here, me, Jason, Mike, and Dan. How are you guys all doing? Ah, oh, I hey, wanted man, something I all at once. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> are you pumped? Well, um, yeah, man. This is exciting. I love this. I love the end of the year talk. I love it. I love giving out awards and talking about what was best in what category. I love having something to do the day after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, we're we're here to go through our list of 28 categories for the Nodi Awards and reveal all of our winners, including Game of the Year. I think 2010 has been a really good year. It was kind of tough to narrow down the categories. Anyway, so what did you guys think of 2010? How about uh, Mike? What what was your opinion of 2010 as compared to 2009 and any other year? Um, I thought it was another great year for gaming. Uh, did it compare to 2009? For me, I feel like it ultimately didn't. Uh-huh. But I think that might be because it had a really strong first half, and then it kind of felt like it petered out a little bit towards the end. Uh-huh. And there was uh there was a lot more disappointments uh this year than there were last year. But um overall there were still a bunch of great games. There were a bunch of really good new IPs, a lot of uh innovation in like both new games and games from uh well known series. And overall it was it might it might not have been as good as two thousand nine, but uh it was it was it was close. It was really, really good. Awesome, awesome. What do you think, Jason? You seem to have a I little think bit of that, a disagreement there about 2010. Well, no, I mean, I mean, 09 was yeah, 09 was a pretty good year. I'm not going to sit here and say 10 was the best year of gaming ever because you know, it, it's a good one, a lot of good stuff. I personally thought that 2010. I, 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 Mike has a bit of a has a bit of a point. It, it came out of the gate like crazy. Um, although, if you recall, Dark Void came out in the beginning of the year, so that's not. I don't think we should count that. <laughs> um, but like Mass Effect 2, Dante's Inferno, um, God of War 3, Red Dead, that's all the first half. That's, that's January to May. And then you have like the, the, I'm not going to call them B titles, but the ones that aren't as high profile, your Tatsunoko versus Capcom and stuff like that. That's the first half. Uh, the second half, what it seemed like on paper, it was loaded. Problem was, as Mike said earlier, a lot of those games didn't live up to their hype. And, that kind of brings 2010 down a level. I'd like to say maybe equal to 09 in my pantheon, but still, hey, a lot of great games to be played this year. Uh, we went to the Old West, we went back to Italy, went back to space, went to some crazy dark death world where some little boy um, got horribly maimed 500 different ways. <laughs> <laughs> if I, hey, I can't, uh, I can't complain. Definitely a, a decent year for games. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Long. But sorry, Dan, what did, what was your 2010 like? My 2010. I had a good 2010. This was a 
I guess what one of our features writers wrote uh, a, a post about where are the new IPs, and I think in some regard he's right. Yes, there you know there's your Heavy Rain, there's your Alan Wake, and and uh, Limbo, etc. There were a lot of new IPs that came out, but I do think this was very much a year for strong sequels. Like a lot of the high profile games were sequels, Mass Effect Two, even Red Dead Redemption. Um, you know that technically. was technically yes. a sequel. Um, Assassin's Creed, uh, um, the Donkey Kong Country Returns, Super Mario Galaxy 2, the Kirby game is in some way, you know, a sequel. Starcraft 2, yeah, God of War 3. I mean, PlayStation 5, Rock Band 3. Yeah, the list goes on and on. The list goes on and on, exactly. So um, I I do think there were some cool new IPs that came out, but for me, this was a year of developers building on their craft and doing it well. I, I agree. Good point. I agree with that. A progressive year in game development. <laughs> Unless you're Activision. <laughs> <laughs> we should have an award just for them. We, I yes. did. Douchebag of the year. <laughs> we don't have a biggest douchebag award category this year, but we do have 28 other categories. So uh, I'm thinking... We should probably get to it. Get to it. Let's get this started. So I'm going to start it off with the Best Visuals Award. Our nominees are God of War 3, Heavy Rain, Red Dead Redemption, Kirby's Epic Yarn, and Limbo. A lot of games with some different styles and different ways of approaching visuals. And uh, it turns out that our winner is God of War 3. Yeah, it certainly deserves it. Well, the thing about God of War 3, I think, is that, you know, it's not just in the still images when you look at the game was it beautiful, but it was the game in motion. You know, it was like the cinematics, the camera work, all of the amazing set pieces, the large scale enemies. You know, God of War has always been about presenting an epic story. And this time with the PS3, they really took it to the next level. It's like God of War basically did it all with visuals this year. I I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, It it is a clinic in camera and display. Um, uh, Certainly a game that people like Disney Interactive can learn from as far as camera work is concerned. The camera was never in the wrong place, always in the right place. Even when you could move it, it you would somehow move it to the right place every single time. Like I wasn't into God of War until this year. Played one, two, and three right in succession. And just to see the evolution from one to three is remarkable as far as as far as graphical uh, complexity. Yeah, I, I mean, you really only have to play that first segment to get the idea. You know, whether um, climbing up Mount Olympus and I mean that there's so much going on all the time, and it's on such a huge scale, and you're like fighting on the arm of a titan that's like swinging wildly through the. I mean. I think Eddie hit it right on the head. It's it's not only good graphics, it's good graphics in motion. Um, well, get any disagreements or arguments from anybody on this panel. Exactly. No. Nah, nah. Now, how did games sound uh, this year? Games sound excellent. Um, as I guess is appropriate with the listen up being my category, I have been given the honor of best audio. Our nominees this year were Red Dead Redemption, Mass Effect Two, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood enslaved Odyssey to the West and Halo Reach with our winner being <gasps> Mass Effect 
too, and rightfully so, because just in every section of that world, like going back to the Citadel or being in Tuchanka with the um, with with the grunts, everybody, every world was alive with sound, whether it was um, creatures in the background or people talking or, and it wasn't just things that like set the mood. It was, there was some funny stuff. There was some stuff you were just like, all right, stay the hell away from me. Like the collector ship, the collector ship at the end, just going through that and being creeped out by everything that you heard, the screams of people. Well, if, spoiler alert, if you haven't played it being um, basically turned into paste, and I guess it's the best way I can put it. Um, as far as the funny stuff goes, that if anyone has anywhere, anyone here hasn't seen the Turian racist, the Turian playing the racist card in the Citadel, go watch the video. <laughs> it, it, it's the Turian stuck at security, calling people racist when they're really not. It's very funny, um, but it's a, it's definitely a great window into the speaking and the audio that Mass Effect Two brings to the table. Yeah, I definitely yes. loved all the conversation. And and Jack Wall is just the man again. What what I really enjoyed Amazing. about the soundtrack, about the score, was the way that each world felt different. Um, not only in the way that it looked and the way that it played and everything, but the the music behind every world gave it a different feeling as well. I, I really like that part about the game. I agree. I think it's. I think um, the one thing that surprised me about it, and this is just sort of a very short anecdotal. Uh, representation of how good the music was. Uh, there's there's one planet, I don't remember what it's called. You land on it, you sort of find it out of the blue, and you have to wander through the fog. You have to like follow some beacons, to, but you can't really see anything. And it actually was probably one of the creepier segments um, in any game this year. Uh, even even though it was like it was very wide open, there there wasn't like impending danger the whole time. But I think it was the audio that. This, there was like sort of a high strings tension thing going on the whole time. Uh, it almost made it like a horror segment in in what is otherwise very much not a horror game. I was really impressed. Yeah, and that just speaks to the quality of that score. All right, so moving on to the next category, it is best story. Uh, there were a lot of good stories again this year, and the nominees were Mass Effect Two, Heavy Rain. Red Dead Redemption, Alan Wake, and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. And our winner this year was Heavy Rain. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Real. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I could see that one coming. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, under, it's understood, but, but when it first, when you first played it, you were like, whoa! Because I, I actually found myself, the person who ended up being the Oregon Killer, it was actually my favorite character, <laughs> and then he, and then I come to find out that's who's slashing people or drowning kids, and I'm just like, oh man, really? <laughs> but well, I, uh, guys, you could say that's why Heavy Rain story is also so great because you didn't see it coming, and it, he was your favorite character, which means that they did a really good job of making you feel for every single character in the game, right? There was... Making every single character likable, which is which is why I had I had um in my top ten plot twists. That's why Heavy Rain nabbed two spots for me, uh, because of the way that they just they pulled on your heartstrings and 
made you feel and care for these characters so much, and then they would just pull the rug out from under you, both when and here's a spoiler warning again, both when Jason Mars got run over um as Ethan tried to save him, and when uh the origami killer was revealed just and just the way that they revealed the origami killer was so great because they didn't do it in a way that a typical story would do it where he was the big bad villain all along and he just had this sudden change from really nice well-meaning guy to just complete uh evil douchebag no they they showed you his backstory his exact backstory as to why exactly he became what he became and it made and it didn't make you hate him as much as you should it made you kind of feel for him and empathize with him and kind of understand why he did what he did it didn't make it okay but it made you understand more and it made the story that much more i guess complicated is what you could say in a good way i guess my question with with this uh award would be to what extent did heavy rain win because of the way that it told the story as opposed to the story itself well, I have to say, the extent to which Heavy Rain won was a very slim margin. This was a really close category between Heavy Rain, Mass Effect 2, and Red Dead Redemption. There was a really, a really competitive race here. Maybe it is the fact that it was told in such a different way that made the, you know, it, it augmented the story. Yeah. And the fact well, that I... players could, could alter the story themselves based on how they played and based on their actions. Well, we've we've yeah. you know we've waxed poetic enough about the story. Let's move to multiplayer. Yes. So here we are for the uh, best multiplayer award, and there sure were, at least in my opinion, some great multiplayer games. There were also some so, a couple disappointments, but uh, the nominees for the best multiplayer game are Halo Reach, Call of Duty Black Ops, Battlefield Bad Company 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. And Rock Band 3. And your winner for Best Multiplayer for 2010 was, surprisingly, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Woo! Why is that surprising? Yeah, that's my think I think it's surprising not just for – not for me, but I think it's surprising for a bunch of – for a lot of uh, gamers because a lot of gamers probably expected the winner to be Black Ops or Halo Reach. Right. Those are the big two – those are the big two brands, the big two heavy hitters, the big two shooters where that everybody fights over which is the better shooter, Halo or Call of Duty. But this year, uh, Assassin's Creed snuck in with this extremely innovative and ridiculously addictive multiplayer component that just – it completely changed up the way that multiplayer is done. And, I, and that, I believe, is why it won that, this award. It's why I even voted for it to win this award. Um, I think that when we all heard that Assassin's Creed was going to have a game that had multiplayer in it, we all had a feeling that it was going to be some weird subpar corridor type multiplayer game. But what Ubisoft did instead was they took what made Assassin's Creed great with the, the stealth and the patience with killing and how you kill people and everything and made that the strength. Made made a game that was based on patience and skill and actually based upon the mechanics of the single-player game itself and implemented that and made it its own multiplayer. And I think that is what made the game such a, like, uh, such a happy surprise uh, and such a, such a breath of fresh air in, uh, in, in multiplayer gaming. And the leveling system is not unbalanced uh, like, like 
I would argue Call of Duty Black Ops is. Um, if you don't have all the best weapons or if you don't have all like the, the perks and the special bonuses, you're not going to get slaughtered. You just have to be smart and know how and know how to escape, know where your escape routes are, know where you can hide, know where you can sneak up on people. And I think that the fact that it had upgrades, but the upgrades were minuscule as opposed to how important skill was, is also another reason why I think Assassin's Creed Brotherhood uh, was the better multiplayer of 2010 and why it won the award for this year. Yeah, I, th- I think you could almost call this award like the best innovation in multiplayer uh, award because, I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that, like, Black Ops and Halo Reach and all that isn't fun. Like, it's still fun. It's just exactly as much fun as it was before, um, in my opinion. Uh, so I think Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is... It, it at least deserves this award because it gave us something new in multiplayer that that it felt fresh among a field of sort of rehashed multiplayer titles. Yeah, and is also a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yes, yeah. it is. Stop to be underestimated. I just, I just like that. You know, I like that. I'm sick of shooting people. I like going up behind somebody and just stabbing them. All right, and moving on from innovation to more innovation, we have the most innovative and original game category brought to you by Dan Crabtree. Tell us what it is, Dan. Innovation and originality is something that was not lacking in 2010. So so the nominees for most innovative or original game of 2010 are Alan Wake, Heavy, Heavy Rain, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Minecraft, and Limbo. And the winner is Heavy Rain. Well, who wants to argue for it? <laughs> well, no, I, I'm okay with Heavy Rain, but a lot of people would argue that its innovation is that it, it, its innovation lies in its being an interactive movie, mm-hmm. um, and basically being able to control a piece of cinema from start to finish uh, by pressing L2 to walk and pressing X to Jason. But um, <laughs> but a lot of people like ever since Minecraft launched have been like, "Oh my Jesus, Minecraft!" Like, apparently the only games you can really get addicted to are games with Craft in the title. <laughs> no one noticed that? <laughs> Warcraft, Starcraft, Minecraft. Like, Maybe we should change the name of this site to Gamercraft. Gamercraft, there you go. Uh, but no, like, just the things you can do in Minecraft, um, the fact that Heavy Rain wins this surprises me. Did anyone see the entire overworld from Legend of Zelda made in Minecraft? I have not seen that. Oh, yeah. But yeah over the, over the weekend, that is that is incredible, but hey, but not to take anything away from Heavy Rain, I absolutely agree with that. Um, the fact that you know it puts you in the shoes of of the director, pretty much of a movie, and you can set up, you can set it up however you. I mean, they give you obviously a scene that you have to walk through, but you can make the decisions. You can open the door if you want. You can close the door if you want. You can chop your finger off with an axe. You can chop your finger off with uh, by cauterizing it and whatever you want to do. That I, mean, I can see it. I, I do want to do that. I do want to cauterize my finger. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Heavy Rain. Anyone else want to defend Heavy Rain and from the Minecraft people that are going to flood our website pretty soon? Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, Minecraft actually only lost to Heavy Rain by a single vote this year. Ah, so yeah, I was on the right track. Yeah, you Good. definitely were. And I think either would have been a, a worthy candidate. I agree. Yes. I I voted for Heavy Rain exactly for the the reason of being the interactive develop uh, director, and the fact that 
it never was done so well before. Right. Like you and the last time anybody tried this, I believe, was back during the Sega CD age when they actually filmed real people. Mm-hmm. And you were just it was more choose your own adventure. And just the way they implemented it and the way that they they had the way they had it, like they would have the, the, the like the prompts like shaking and everything to reflect the tension and the fact that like everything was timed. Uh, you only had a certain amount of time to do some things and everything. It made it such such like an edge of your seat kind of experience that people had never, I don't believe, had ever really experienced that much, like to that level before in games. And I think that's why it was so innovative, not just because you could choose what to do, but the fact that like the way they did it and the way they implemented it made it such like a high stress edge of your seat kind of thrill ride. Right. Right. It basically redefines what we think can be presented to us on a video game console, be it a video game or something else. <laughs> whatever Heavy Rain, whatever we want to call Heavy Rain. So for Interactive that, drama. Yeah, for that, uh, pushing the envelope, pushing the industry in, in another direction makes it innovative and our most innovative. Dude. Well, from innovation to new... Best new IP. Our nominees are Alan Wake, Heavy Rain, Enslaved, Odyssey to the West, Darksiders, and Near. And our winner for the second consecutive category is Heavy Rain. Now, I think that we have beaten Heavy Rain to the ground. Yeah. So for the sake of boring our listeners, you know why it's the best new IP. You know why it won. You know why it deserves it. Let's move on, shall we? Let's find out what the best game world was, and I think Mike's the perfect guy to tell us. I agree, because he's off in his own little world. (laughs) We got Mike? Uh, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, (laughs) We're wrapping this up soon, right? I got a town meeting in a couple minutes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. Yeah, right. Uh, Best game world. It's one thing for a game to be great based on story or sound or audio or even characters, but if you don't have a great environment to surround those characters in, you really can't take it up to the next level. You really don't can't make that game a kind of game of the year status. It needs a great setting, a great location to to have it surrounded in. And uh, these games that are nominated did just that. So the nominees for Best Game World are Assassin's Creed Brotherhood for Renaissance Rome, Mass Effect 2 for the Milky Way Galaxy, Red Dead Redemption for the Old Wild West, Fallout New Vegas for New Vegas, and Disney Epic Mickey for the Cartoon Wasteland. And your winner was Red Dead Redemption for the Old West, which, if you ask me, it is extremely deserving of such, considering the fact that up until Red Dead Redemption came out, Nobody believed that the Old West could be done in video games. It had been tried time and time again and was constantly failed. Nobody was able to capture that essence, that that feeling, that sense of actually being in the the Western United States during the late 1800s and early 1900s. And then Red Dead Rockstar came along and with Red Dead Redemption just completely shattered those those uh, those assumptions and those beliefs. And the fact that 
you could travel from place to place. And as you're traveling from place to place, there would be people camping out, uh, telling fireside stories. There would be uh, people getting attacked by wild animals. Uh, you would be uh, you, there would be people who would be asking for a lift and would just jack your horse from you. Um, and also just just the the atmosphere was just so wonderful. It just gave off this entire this entire sense that you're really, really in uh, the 19-teens uh, version of Mexico and Texas. Uh, and it, it just it, – it blows my mind with how Rockstar was able to, to pull it off, but they did it. I think this is actually, so far, the strongest category as far as the five nominees for what they're nominated for. All five of these games – could easily have won this because Rome was insane going through Rome and all the people. The problem is it was very like, it was very much like the rest of Assassin's Creed two. So that brings it down a notch. Mass effect Two, the galaxy is the galaxy. Uh, we talked about the fog area earlier, the Citadel, all that. But again, we were there before different take on it, but we were there before. Um, Fallout New Vegas kind of did the wild West thing, but did it in a different way and a post-apocalyptic wild West, which was good. But I think, um, I think what Red Dead did it better. Um, Cartoon Wasteland, if you're a Disney fan, there's no reason you shouldn't love every inch of the Wasteland. But unfortunately, um, Epic Mickey has a bit of a stigma about it because of certain gameplay issues, um, which may have hurt it in the voting. However, Red Dead, Old West, I don't think anyone can ever complain about Old West games ever again because Rockstar just laid the foundation and we can all live in it. Um, there's, There's no way that Old West cannot be done the way it should be ever again. Thank you, Red Dead. And it only gets better when you uh, throw some zombies onto it, too. <laughs> oh, man. Add zombies to everything. They're like yeah, Zombies are yeah. like sprinkles nowadays. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> the sprinkle of the video game community. <laughs> well, hold on. Our, our, uh, our conversation is getting a little off track. Let me reboot it. See what I did there. It's, it's it's best reboot time. Which game which game franchise got a nice kick in the ass this year, or I should say the best kick in the ass this year for the answer? Dan, what do you got for us? Uh I'll just explain real quick why a reboot isn't a sequel. Um I guess a reboot would be if you had some sort of older franchise that's gone by the wayside, maybe they haven't done anything good with it in a while. Uh maybe it's the same game and they decided to redo it. Um, that's why it isn't a sequel. That's why it's a reboot. The uh, nominees for best reboot of 2010 are Castlevania, Lord of Shadows, Donkey Kong Country Returns, GoldenEye 007, Kirby's Epic Yarn, and Laura Croft and the Guardian of Light. And the winner is Donkey Kong Country Returns, which I think I voted for. I think I would continue to vote for that um, because I have a real love affair with Donkey Kong Country to begin with. Going back, obviously, to the uh, to the 90s. Um, but when they brought it back, they brought back the difficulty uh, from the 90s, and that's probably what I love most about it. It's also like it's also good. It's a fun platform, and there's a lot of crap going on in the background and stuff, which is kind of cool for kids, I guess, or something. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> the uh, I don't know. It's kids like the stuff in the background. Uh, but it's so difficult. It's a tough game, especially if you're yeah. going for uh, you know all the Kong letters or all the puzzle pieces, which I did unfortunately <laughs> a lot of time doing that. Um, but yeah, it's it is a difficult game, and 
I, I couldn't have been happier about it, I guess. It, it was it sort of kicked me in the ass and was like, hey, why aren't other video games doing this to you right now? Makes me want to play on uh, hard mode. Oh, I have a friend who uh, he, had, he got gold in every speed trial in the game. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. I don't think he knows what the outdoors looks like anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. I tried one time trial and almost sent my Wii remote through my television. Yeah. I no, not for me. I'll play the game. I'll enjoy it. But fuck that. I think uh, one complaint with Donkey Kong Country Returns is that I wanted to see the uh, Kremlins again. I was pissed that they weren't there. Yeah. That we traded in some uh, tiki men or whatever. But I mean, they were. The funny thing though oh. about Donkey Kong Country Returns is that of these five nominees, Donkey Kong Country Returns is actually the most like the the older games from which it comes. You know, compared to the that's others. Yeah, I, f- I feel like there, there's something about bringing uh, a series like Donkey Kong, which Donkey Kong Country, which hasn't been around in what three different three generations. Yes, three. It's a Super Nintendo, yeah. and bringing yeah. it into a brand new system with brand new control, it, it, it just works a little bit better. I think I think what Eddie said is, uh, is in some way revealing the fact that it's the closest to the original formula. Maybe it is that. Uh, you know, gamers are big sticks in the mud, and they're just like, "Oh, if it doesn't like the original, I don't want to touch it." You know, like maybe, maybe that's why we all like it so much. But uh, either way, they did it really well. But moving on, I th- I think we're in the genre awards now, aren't we? We have moved on. Yeah, we've made it. Now we are to all the genres. The action adventure category is always one of the most difficult because it's such a wide all-encompassing sort of catch-all place for games. Um, and this year was no different. This was a stacked category and very difficult to even narrow down to nominees. And those nominees are God of War 3, Heavy Rain, okay. Red Dead Redemption, Amnesia the Dark Descent, and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. And the winner is Heavy Rain. It's heavy rain. Heavy rain takes another wait, award, another noted. Wait. Yeah, I think it's just sort of ill-fitting for the category, which uh, you know Eddie was alluding to, is that it's kind of a catch-all category, and it doesn't really fit under the title like action or adventure. You don't really feel either of those things. It's more of a, a drama, but it is part of the category. So it's true. Like Dan said, it, heavy rain doesn't really give off that kind of action adventure vibe and uh and it, it was kind of its own thing like it, it's kind of a hard game to categorize and when you have a uh a year where it, this uh category was so stacked it, it's a it's kind of a surprise and a shock to see that that uh heavy rain emerged the victor in this uh in this one that's insane man is now an appropriate <laughs> time to talk about amnesia the dark descent i don't even know if it's worth mentioning it was one of the nominees but right well i think amnesia and heavy rain both come in on the adventure side of action adventure because there is no dedicated adventure category and there's no dedicated action category mm-hmm. so they, right. they fall in under that um amnesia was actually an incredible game that way more people should have played or should be playing um, I would I would argue that Amnesia is in my top two games of the year <laughs> this year. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically 
horror done uh, as well as it has ever been. I think it's incredible, too, that it was done by such a small studio. Uh, what is it, Frictional Game? Yes. And they've only done, like, Penumbra before, something like yeah, that. Yeah, another, another great franchise, starting with, uh, starting with Overture, but uh, really refining with Black Plague. Yeah, uh, this I don't know. I think I might be the only other one who played uh, who played Amnesia: The Dark Descent, and I didn't even play it that much, but it scared the shit out of me, and I loved it. It was awesome. That's good. Yeah, but yeah, Heavy Rain for all the reasons uh, that we've already spoken about, making it a great game. Um, here it is, best action adventure. Woo! And a category that has. A lot of great action in it is shooters. Boom! So yeah. we now move on from Best Action Adventure to the best shooting game. And this year, uh, 2010 was also a stacked year for shooters. There were a lot of great shooters that came out this year from a lot of the, the big shooting franchises. And without further ado, your nominees were Battlefield, Bad Company 2, Call of Duty, Black Ops, Bioshock 2, Sea of Dreams, Vanquish, and Halo Reach. And your winner for Best Shooter was Halo Reach. Halo Reach. I would have to agree with this. Uh, about a month ago, I wrote an article on how I felt that Halo Reach was better, uh, had a better multiplayer system than Call of Duty, but I also feel that it had, it was a better overall shooter. Uh, Halo Reach, regardless of how ridiculous you may think the Covenant are, or how unrealistic it is to have to shoot somebody until their shields run out instead of just shooting them twice and killing them. I think that Halo Reach won Best Shooter because it was a love letter from Bungie that had almost everything you wanted in a Halo game. Okay, here's the situation with this category, though. Four out of five of these are sequels, right? And the other one is Vanquish, which didn't get very good reception. I never played it, but didn't have very good reception. You know, Bioshock 2, that's probably not going to win for a number of reasons. And then it's, you know, Call of Duty, Halo Reach, Battlefield, Bad Company 2. I would say Call of Duty probably trumps Battlefield for most people. Um, I don't know. I think Call of Duty may have edged out, in my mind, uh, Halo Reach because they were able to do a swimming section well. <laughs> <laughs> as strange which, which as that most sounds, games utterly fail at in any. Genre. Yeah, especially like a first-person shooter. I mean, that that may be like a really small detail, but when I was playing those, uh, you know, swimming around, stealth killing the Viet Cong sections, I was like, "This is a good game. Way to go with the water thing. Good job, guys." <laughs> also, <laughs> also, what we have here is a category that has a variety of sub-categories involved in it, because this is a category for the hardcore gamer, and you're likely to specialize when when you get that into the hobby. And you have, you have Call of Duty Black Ops, you have Halo Reach. These are more arena shooters. They're the high-action sort of, you know, deathmatch frag that sort of, sort of game. Um, Halo Reach is a lot like, you know, uh, Unreal, Quake, all those. But um, then you have something like Battlefield Bad Company 2, which is a larger scale, you know, it wants to put you in a war, it wants you to work with your team, 
um, and it's a little bit slower paced, but it's it's more all encompassing in what it presents. Then you have Bioshock 2, which is more a single player's game than it is for even though it added a multiplayer. It was it's more about the narrative. It's it's a very slow paced game. There's more exploration. And then you have Vanquish, which is its own beast entirely, which is basically uh, Gears of War in the future, even further in the future, on speed. <laughs> Maybe the, I'm making a sweeping generalization here, but I feel like uh, Halo fans are more willing to accept change. In you know, if Bungie is like, hey, we want to like add jetpacks and it's gonna be a lot of fun, guys, and they're like, okay, we'll give it a try. And then, like, Call of Duty fans are like, if you change anything, like, I will cut you. It's just a different audience. <laughs> that, that just sounds so right to me. I don't... <laughs> Doesn't it, right? <laughs> I mean, if you messed with the Call of Duty uh, formula, I guess you could call it, at this point, there would be so many pissed off people. There would be so much, like, I don't know. I want them to innovate the series. I want them to change it, do something new, but they're just not going to. No, they don't have to. Six million copies can't be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I like? I like fresh platforming. I believe platforming is Dan's category. So, Dan, if you would not mind, take it away, friend. I would not mind. Uh, Platforming, I think a lot of these you're going to see are uh, relegated to Wii titles, which... You know, for whatever reason. Uh, but we also got a couple of cool downloadable titles in here. Uh, the nominees for Best Platforming Game are Donkey Kong Country Returns, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Super Meat Boy, Kirby's Epic Yarn, and Limbo. And the Best Platforming Game goes to Super Mario Galaxy 2. And well-deserved. Another good sequel in the year of sequels. Uh, a lot of similar content. To what was done before, but with enough tweaks and new worlds and Yoshi. different powers and Yoshi, you know, all all of the various small additions, um, it, it made it a, a really solid game to play. I, I don't think that it was like miles and miles above what Super Mario Galaxy did, but it certainly was enough fun to keep me going for. Oh God, I got all of the stars except for the very last one, which I think puts me at like 240. So obviously an engrossing game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this was one of the hardest uh, categories for me to pick. Donkey Kong Country versus Mario Galaxy Two comes to 2D versus 3D. And while Donkey Kong would break the plane, you go to the background, the foreground, and all that. I think the 3D platforming aspect of Galaxy Two uh, and what it does with that 3D capability really makes it a lot more um, uh, impressive as far as what you can do and what you do do. I think that is what gives the slight edge to Galaxy 2, though not by much. They're both excellent games, but I think Galaxy 2, the 3D aspect of it, puts it over the top. But either way, it's going to Nintendo, so they don't give a shit. Yeah, I think so. you would argue here. <laughs> They'll get the prize money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to keep moving right along with some role-playing. Um so I'll announce the nominees for best role-playing game. They're Fallout, New Vegas, Mass Effect 2, Golden Sun, Dark Dawn, Final Fantasy 13, and Nier. And our winner for this category is Mass Effect 2. No surprise there. 
As I would I also know. agree. Yeah. Although I would, I would like to uh, give props to Golden Sun Dark Dark because I think it's the only time I'll be able to talk about it. Good game. Good solid DS RPG. Takes you right back to the to the older games. Plays just like your classic turn based RPG. If you're a fan, you ought to play it. Sounds and a lot like Final Fantasy thirteen. Right back to the roots. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But Golden Sun, really, if you're an old classic turn-based, and it does a great thing with the story where it tells you, yeah, in the first two games you did what you were supposed to do, but doing that fucked everything up, you asshole. Good job. <laughs> has, anyone here played, has anyone here played Nier? Yes. No? Yes, realistically, I think Nier was the best RPG published by Square Enix this year and uh, sort of an unsung hero of the ugly, RPG world. Ugly unsung hero. The protagonist looks like a pile of shit. No, the thing about Nier's visuals are, yeah, they're they're a little dated, but there are some cool effects. Like it does a lot of interesting things, and the story is very very good. It was actually almost included in our story category, but there almost. were there were too many. But if you want to talk about story, we can't talk about our next category: strategy. Because while there is story, <laughs> that's not why you play it. I would also like to point out to all of your viewers, all of those listeners at home, this is the halfway point. This is the 14th of our 28 nominations. Hang in there, please. Uh, so uh, I believe our strategy expert is Mike Murphy. So, Mike, what do you got? Uh, I've got a lot of really good strategy games because that's the category that we're talking about. So. Sweet. Going into the best strategy game category, your nominees are Valkyria Chronicles 2, Napoleon Total War, Civilization 5, Starcraft 2, and Ruse, R-U-S-E. Your winner for best strategy game is Starcraft 2. And the career goes wild. Yeah, I mean, who would who would uh, not have guessed this? This is the most high-profile... RTS in the history of the century. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, it, it's worth its salt as far as the strategy game is concerned. I remember people coming in and being all nervous. You know, you waited nine, ten years for it. Will it live up to the hype? And then having them come in two, three weeks later and just being like, holy shit, this is the first time I've stepped outside. <laughs> that good. Many. And that was the reason the first place I went was my local game store. <laughs> <laughs> But see, strategy's good and all. Strategy is good and all. But I like my, my fights to be one-on-one, or two-on-two, or three-on-three. I like it better in the fighting genre. Best fighting game, 2010. Your nominees are UFC Undisputed, 2010. EA Sports MMA. Tatsunoko vs. Capcom Ultimate All-Stars. Blaze Blue Continuum Shift. And Super Street Fighter 4. And your winner, which should be no surprise, Super Street Fighter 4. And let me tell you, I was happy with Street Fighter 4. They didn't have to bring out an expansion, but they like money, so they did. And I love that just as much. Um, the, the characters they added are great. The tweaks that they made to all of the, uh, of the characters are great. But I want to give special recognition to Tatsunoko versus Capcom because... Uh, without that, you don't have Marvel vs. Capcom 3 next year. And I think Ted Snoko versus Capcom was really good. I think one of the main reasons why it might have lost out to Super Street Fighter 4 was probably because the controls are a little difficult on the Wii with your classic Wii controller. 
That's true. That's true. They do have a stick for it if you're if you're a stick guy. But unfortunately, unlike the 360 and PS3, you don't have the uh, the pad option where you just have like a controller, like it looks like a Genesis controller, um, with the six buttons. Uh, 360 and PS3 have that, so Super Street Fighter 4 fans could use it. Um, but we doesn't. It's either the classic controller, which is a bit wonky, unless you get the one with the grips, um, or the stick, the full out stick. But back to Super Street Fighter 4, because it won. It's, it's the fighting game genre in a nutshell. It's everything that every fighting game should aspire to be. Every character can win at any given time. Of course, I mean, there are characters who are just don't work as well, but it's not like, um, it's not like a Marvel vs. Capcom 2 or a Street Fighter 2 back in the day where you're only going to see three or four people. Um, there, there's a good, out of the 35 roster, I would say at least 28 of them are viable, and the other seven you really have to work with. Um, it, it's 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 deep, it's balanced, it's it's uh, it's varied, it's everything you could ask for in a right. fighting game. And to anyone thinking that this is just an expansion or just uh, the same game as last year, it it just really isn't. They done so much under the hood that it's really a brand new game, and it's a much better game than it was last year. Yes. But enough about beating people up. Let's beat people in races. We are now in the racing genre. A um, lot of competition here this year. I would be I would be uh, quick to say some of the best competition in years. Would anyone agree? Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. All right. Well, our racing nominees are Gran Turismo 5, Mod Nation Racers, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, Blur, and Split Second. And our winner is... Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit. This surprises me. Surprises me a little bit. But I think I understand why. I think the reason that Need for Speed takes over uh, Gran Turismo here is Gran Turismo 5 is for the car nut. It's for the guy who wants to go out and tinker with his car, put in the crazy-ass engines and all this other stuff, and then go into his game and do the same thing. It's for the guy who breathes cars, lives cars, eats... Not doesn't eat cars, but you know what I'm saying... Um, it's for that guy. Whereas Need for Speed, it gives you those customization options, but it puts it in a scenario where you're running from the cops mm-hmm. and you're acting like the badass, or you are the cop and you're catching the bad guy. It's not just you know racing simulation, pure simulation. It puts you in scenarios and tells you to work your way through them. And I think it's that aspect that gives it a slight edge. Right. And you've got an open world in Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit. It's sort of a middle ground between Burnout Paradise, which many real racing fans hold as the epitome of an arcade-style racer, and uh, it's somewhere between that and a more simulation-based racing game. But it has the cops, it has the open world, it's just like a gigantic world, and uh, it's just a whole lot of fun, really. I mean, I think that's what it is. It's, an, it's the action game of racers. Without blowing sure. stuff up. <laughs> I would actually, um, I'm not sure if I'm the only one who played Blur, but I would lobby for that also. Oh, I um, love Blur too. Yeah, I mean, bringing the Mario Kart formula to real cars was a great idea. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun playing Blur. I loved the way that you could, you know, have something that looks like a real car, but still have the same gameplay that you had since the Super Nintendo days and the kart racing, yeah. you know, the introduction oh, yeah. of kart racing. Even Mod Nation Racers was a great racing game because that was more of a cutesy kart-type game, but it gave you customization options that were reminiscent of 
car-based games, but obviously uh, with a visual style that that is not <laughs> quite realistic. But yeah, all all good racing games this year. It's a good good year for racing, and it was also a good year for puzzle games. This year, the nominees for best puzzle game are Professor Layton and the Unwound Future, The Misadventures of PB Winterbottom, Super Scribblenauts, Picross 3D, and Puzzle Quest 2. And your winner for best puzzle game, Professor Layton and the Unwound Future. Which is more, it's a puzzle game, but it's more than a puzzle game. It's a puzzle adventure. Really, Agreed. and I think the the complete package of Professor Layton is what sets it above the other puzzle games listed here. I would say PB Winterbottom is a really interesting game, and I would probably put that as my next choice. But um, Professor Layton was just too much game for the rest of the nominees. This game's story uh, is for me is number two, number two this year, and it it hundred percent deserves it. The game is. It just the last scenes with Professor Layton and the person that he's talking to and what they're talking about and the emotion that comes out of a game like this, it, it blew my mind. Bad things have happened to this guy. Bad, horrible things. And you wouldn't expect it from a game like this. This is just like, you know, ooh, solve the mystery. No, 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 no. I cannot stress enough how good this game's story is and how it needs to be played, especially fans of the franchise. Yeah, they stepped it up. They stepped it up a notch this time. Yeah! <laughs> Jason just had an aneurysm. Oh, is it my turn to talk? <laughs> yeah, actually it is. It's your turn to tell us about the best sports game. Oh, yeah, cool. All right, excellent. Sports. I don't play them on the field or on the rink. I play them on my console. <laughs> so, your best sports game of 2010. Your nominees are MLB 10, The Show, NHL 11, Madden 11, NBA 2K 11, and FIFA Soccer 11. And your winner, and let me tell you something, this is a landslide, no contest. NBA 2K 11. I am not a basketball fan by any means. I don't watch a lot of basketball. I don't follow a lot of basketball. This game blew me away. The Jordan challenges, fine. The, the you know the the extra like legendary teams cool goes back to how Madden used to have the old legendary teams, but the gameplay and the and the like the seeing Michael Jordan <laughs> make that three point shot and then turn around and shrug just like I did on the TV as a kid brilliant brilliant whoever had the idea hey let's put Jordan on the cover and relive a bunch of his great moments they they oh man that that guy needs to be. He's put it, be put in the Mount Rushmore of game idea guys. Yeah, and FIFA did a lot of their big innovation, like their their changes last year in previous years. MLB 10 was just largely the same. Madden, I don't know, I didn't even play Madden, but 2K just kind of took it and ran with it. And I mean, well, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. We've always wanted Michael Jordan in a basketball game since forever. Well, I EA actually did add a lot of. Uh, even more innovation with NHL 11 this year. I didn't play NBA 2K11 this year, so that's why if I had to give a vote without having played 2K11, I would give it to NHL 11, but I haven't played 2K11, so... But uh, we're not talking about sports anymore, because sports are old news. We have moved on to the groove. The music uh, games really uh, were not old news this year. We got a lot of cool new stuff going on. 
So the nominees oh. this year were Rock Band 3, DJ Hero 2, Dance Central, Just Dance 2, and Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock. And the winner, the best music game of 2010, was Dance Central. That's and what I did last night. So good. Such oh, man. <laughs> tell, tell us about it. No, you go first. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm coming off of playing Just Dance. What Dance Central does is just so far beyond what we've seen in anything like uh, Dance Dance Revolution or Just Dance 2. It's a full body. This is it, There are real dance moves going on here, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. I think Connect is pretty much what the dance game genre was waiting for. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we, we, we agree so much that we have nothing more to say, so let's move on. <laughs> um, I believe this is my turn now because we are getting about – we're talking about the download, the downloadable content of the year. This had to have been a, uh, a really tight category as well. I didn't count the votes. But your nominees for best downloadable content of 2010 are uh, Bioshock 2 is Minerva's Den, Borderlands Secret Army of General Knox, Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare, Mass Effect 2's Lair of the Shadow Broker, and Left for Dead 2's The Passing. And your winner, and I wholeheartedly agree with this, is Lair of the Shadow Broker Mass Effect 2. May come as some surprise to you. Because Undead Nightmare was of high quality, but I think of what what Layer of the Shadow Broker does for Mass Effect Two as a whole. Where I mean, Undead Nightmare is a bit of a of a branch off, as far as the story is concerned, but Mass Effect Two puts the entire Mass Effect universe at your fingertips when you take over the Layer. There are dossiers, there are hidden videos, there are. Um, biography, everything you could need about Mass Effect is in that room. And I think, I mean, the, the gameplay itself is fine, and the introduction of the new race at the end, the Shadow Broker himself, is great. But, and even the twist at the end of who takes over, that's awesome. But I think I think that uh, what it does for the entire universe as a whole makes it better, in my eyes. I, I agree with you, Jason. For me... It was all. It, it came down to Undead Nightmare and Lair of the Shadow Broker, and Undead Nightmare was great. Um, they, I, I can't believe that uh, Rockstar uh, made a uh, DLC uh, like side story that was so. The quality was so close to almost, if not identical, to that of the game itself. But the the fact of the matter is that Undead Nightmare was more of a side story, whereas uh, Mass Effect Two was a continuation. Uh, Lair of the Shadow Broker was a continuation from Mass Effect 2, and it, what happens in Shadow Broker will affect Mass Effect 3, Will like is, is a lead-in to Mass Effect 3. And it deals with one of the biggest question marks and mysteries of the Mass Effect universe, and that is who is the Shadow Broker, and where is he, and why is he so powerful? I think, uh, briefly, I would argue for Bioshock 2 Minerva's Den, mostly because I'm a huge Bioshock nerd, uh, but also because they got a new writer for it. It was a different guy writing for that than wrote for the main game. And um, and they really brought it back to sort of the very heady, brainy uh, storyline and presentation of uh, the original Bioshock. 
And actually, I think that guy has been hired by Irrational and is working on a Infinite now. So it's it's nice. a really good, really intellectual take on Bioshock too. Cool. I like it. Um. But yeah, I mean that was another another category where it could have gone either way, especially with Red Dead Redemption and uh Yeah, it was very close in the end. Very with, close uh, there too. Aspect 2 just edging out Red Dead Redemption. Nice. Sorry, um, Bioshock. But uh I don't like I mean we're not just talking about content here, we're talking about downloadable games as well. We have the best downloadable title of 2010 coming from Senor Crabtree. That's <laughs> of the border here. Okay, so <laughs> the nominees for best downloadable title are Shank Misadventures of PB Winterbottom, Super Meat Boy, Laura Croft and the Guardian of Light, and Limbo. And the award goes to Limbo. Limbo is definitely my favorite out of this list. Uh, I think uh, this is probably the coolest new category. It's probably been going on for the past couple of years now, but I love the fact that you can play these short, cheap little vignettes of games instead of having to you know, put on a full production. I, I, I wouldn't want, wouldn't have wanted Limbo to be any longer than it was. Wouldn't want Shank to be any longer. Um, so, uh, Limbo itself, obviously really dark, minimalist, mm, trial and death, plays, plays tricks on you. It's a cool game. I think, uh, Eddie was real pissed off about the ending, but, and I, I am too a little bit, not much of a, yeah, off, I'm a, I'm sort of a Limbo to, detractor, but I see the appeal. Um, mm. I'm just going to leave it at that. There's a myriad of other downloadable titles that weren't even mentioned. There's so much downloadable content from this year that was stellar. I think uh, it's, it's definitely a good argument for it being the year of the indie. I'm actually going to talk informatively now about the best handheld game of 2010 because I know all of these games and I'm not just going to forget that something's nominated. So you're... <laughs> Your uh, best handheld game of 2010 nominees are Professor Layton and the Unbound Future once again, Super Scribblenauts, Elgir Solid Peace Walker, Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, God of War Ghost of Sparta. And your winner, in a particularly strong year for handhelds, I do believe, is Professor Layton 3, the Unwound Future once again. And I've already gone off about it. You know how I feel. I think Pokemon could have taken it um, if it were not a remake. I think if Gold and Silver don't exist, Pokemon wins this. Because what, what they did with Gold and Silver was fantastic, and the Pokewalker is great. But I think that the fact that it was uh, basically based off previous source material kind of hurts it. Um, a lot to be said about Metal Gear Solid here, though. That could easily, easily, easily be a PS3 game. For a PS2 game, 100%. But um, I think the P being on the PSP kind of hurt it, because not a lot of people want to play PSP, unfortunately. Same with Ghost of Sparta. Those two games are PlayStation Network downloadable games. I think they do a lot better. But we're talking about Professor Layton here, because it won uh, Best Handheld Game, rightfully so. You could almost call this the best platform exclusive, like the best <laughs> titles that are nominees, but... Best Wii exclusive. The nominees are Donkey Kong Country Returns, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Disney's Epic Mickey, Kirby's Epic Yarn, and Monster Hunter Try. Sort of the standout of the category. Uh, and the winner is Super Mario Galaxy 2. Uh, pretty much for all the aforementioned reasons uh, in our discussion on platformers. 
I, I didn't play Monster Hunter Try, so I, I can't really speak to that at all. I don't know if it was. It's a good game, but it's a grinder's wonderland. If, ah, okay. if, you, if you don't if you don't have patience, you're not gonna like it. Yeah, and apparently Disney's Epic Mickey, the camera was so atrociously awful that no one can even bear to look at it. It's <laughs> uh, the truth. I'm, I hate to say it. I yeah, love it was, the game, but I've never heard the camera of was bad. You building a game that hard, but uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn. I don't know. For me, it definitely felt a little bit. It felt too like it was pandering too much to like the five year old crowd. Maybe that was just me. Uh, I did, right, I did but, some of the service, but that's that's an interesting point you make. But is there anything wrong with making a game that isn't for Dan Crabtree, Eddie Anzato, and Jason Finelli and Mike Murphy? You're right. damn right there is. <laughs> well, no, that's something we need to think about. You know, as the uh, medium matures, and I think Kirby's Epic Yarn was actually the one of the greatest children's games ever made, um, and that. That's really important. And, I mean, it's enjoyable for someone who's maybe a little bit more experienced and doesn't need a high level of challenge to keep them interested because it has the world to keep you interested and it has, like, collectibles as well. But, um, you know, for for a kid, it's basically the best game ever. I'd also like to point out that um, for being the third wheel among the big consoles, it's a pretty damn solid year for Wii, wouldn't you agree? For Nintendo. Yeah. Very good. Very <laughs> oh, good year for Nintendo. But yeah. now moving Nintendo. from moving from the third wheel up to what some might call the big boys, we have nominees for best Xbox three sixty exclusive, Dance Central, Fable Three, Halo Reach, Alan Wake, and Deadly Premonition. And your winner for the two thousand ten Best Three Sixty Exclusive is Alan Wake. Yeah, see. Edged fans. out Halo Reach. Halo fans Phew, are breaking windows man. right now. And Fable 3. I mean, I don't know if anyone else is really cares about Fable 3, but I don't know. I think many th- feel that Fable has uh, somewhat degenerated from the oh, lofty expectations and uh, you know everything that was talked about Fable in the beginning. Yeah, the Fable... Mild- Fable has seemed to have become a series of great expectations, but not a lot of uh, execution. Mm. But as for Alan Wake itself, um, the winner, that 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 was a really sort of different game. And being a new IP and doing things that maybe we haven't seen so much in video games was really refreshing, even if the story was all over the place and a little pretentious. <laughs> I would say that that Alan Wake was somewhat of a pretentious game, and it should have kept its DLC included on the disc. But it was a solid game and very enjoyable. I mean, I, I really liked it. It was great. It was a nice, fresh, uh, uh, fresh take on uh, unconventional, like third-person shooter and action adventure, and uh, it added some great uh lovecraftian themes into it and it also just confused the living hell out of you which any good mystery story should do i agree Although I, I think... i'm just so impressed by the uh, length of time that it took to develop i mean was the 360 even around when we were talking about like the very beginning of remedies it was like six years or something right something like that yeah yeah i mean in order to to put on such a polished product six years after you started it 
on a console that may or may not have even existed. When, when did the 360 come out? Oh five. Oh five. Yeah. So uh, 360 didn't even exist when they started thinking about this thing. Uh, I don't know. I think that's that is quite the accomplishment. I agree with that. Uh, I think that this category. Uh, uh, Eddie's saying that it was a down year for 360. Um, as far as exclusives go, I think that's the truth because yeah. a lot of a lot of 360's power comes from sequels and multi-plat. Um, unfortunately, like Mass Effect 2, a lot of people like, like to think it's a 360 exclusive, but it's not. It's on PC, so that yep. makes it multi-plat. Um, I think the biggest window of what Eddie was saying um, comes from the fact that Deadly Premonition is on this fucking list. Really? <laughs> Deadly Premonition has uh, a great following, and it's sort of crazy. But it's a Twin Peaks, the video game? Uh, That's what it reminds me of. It's essentially Twin Peaks, the video game. And it has a great story, and it just uh, falls falters a little bit in its execution and its its gameplay. So, so it'd be a good game if you didn't have to play it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Oh, so we um, all so we all recommend that you watch somebody play Deadly Premonition. <laughs> there Agreed. you go. Agreed. All right. Well, that's that's uh, two out of three consoles. We are now with the best PS3 exclusive of the year, potentially um, one of the strongest categories, right next to the Wii. They're definitely up there, uh, vying for the top spot as far as our nominees as a whole. Mike, this is your category, please. Uh, yes, and the PlayStation 3 once again had a very solid year. It seems like they've been picking up steam ever since. The uh, the release of the quote unquote slim and the price drop, and uh, 2010 really proved that with uh, the game titles that they came out. So without further ado, your nominees for best PlayStation 3 exclusive are God of War 3, Heavy Rain, Mod Nation Racers, MLB 10 The Show, and Gran Turismo 5. And your winner is racking up. Without a doubt, the most Nodi Awards this year so far is once again Heavy Rain. Well, Has God of War 3 only gotten an award for visuals? I think so. Yeah. Now, because I, of Heavy Rain. Yeah, I mean... Pretty much. And, and some people would argue that Heavy Rain's visuals are better. Which is weird. Yeah, you could. Um, but the fact that an interactive movie, that just shows where this, where this media could go and the things that it could do. Um, a a, a testosterone-laden man's macho man type of game like God of War 3 gets beat out by an interactive movie where you can brush your own damn teeth. <laughs> I love video games. Yeah. And I would say that God of War 3 for all its for all its visual splendor uh it it doesn't do a whole lot more to uh advance that type of game although it does everything extremely well. Yes. Yeah. It's it's uh got probably like five or six coats of polish on it. I would yeah. say. Is, is, yeah, or seven or eight or ten. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just amazing how something so revolutionary, something so innovative, could just could just be winning so many awards right now. It it it, it speaks volumes about where this uh, medium for entertainment could be headed. Absolutely. I agree. Right, so moving on to Best PC Exclusive. Our nominees for Best PC Exclusive are Amnesia, The Dark Descent, 
Minecraft, Civilization V, Starcraft II, and Napoleon Total War. And the expected winner of the best PC exclusive category is StarCraft 2. For all the reasons that it won before, and for all the reasons that everyone has been expecting StarCraft and wishing and hoping and praying for it forever, StarCraft 2 came along and delivered what everyone wanted. I would argue that Amnesia the Dark Descent is a better game, but that's just me. I I would argue that Civilization V is better, but that's that's me personally being much more of a turn-based strategy player over a real-time strategy player. No, no, no. I definitely understand that. There's a there's a real uh, difference between those two types of games, and I actually I prefer a turn-based strategy as well because it gives you more time to actually strategize uh, <laughs> if you're not in an insane mouse manipulator. Exactly. Yeah, it it becomes at the highest level. Uh, these RTS games really are not games anymore. They're mostly just click fests. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't want to detract from a, an entire genre because it's obviously a well-built game. Obviously, there's a reason why StarCraft II won two awards this year. So, and not to detract any at all from the real-time strategies because they're award winners. Yeah, exactly, and they beat Civ twice. And I'm be a fanboy. I will tip my hat to yeah. Blizzard. They know how to make games. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so Mike, let us know what the best multi-platform game was because there were so many games that spanned across multiple platforms this year. This was a there were. It seems like uh, ever since the last couple of years, uh, focus from developers has been taken away from exclusivity and being loyal to certain console makers, and now uh, the best games seem to be the multi-platform games. And where the money's at, dude. And this year is no exception at all, as almost all of the best games of this year were multi-platform. And the best five are listed right here as your nominees, and they are Mass Effect 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Red Dead Redemption, Call of Duty Black Ops, and Fallout New Vegas. And your winner for best multi-platform game is Mass Effect 2. Which I can assume, since I didn't count the votes, must have been a really close race because Call Call of Duty, Black Ops, Red Dead Redemption, and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood were all really, really good games, and they must have definitely given Mass Effect 2 a run for its money. Hold Uh, on, are you leaving New Vegas out of that? Well, I would leave New Vegas out of that simply because of how many bugs were reported after the game released. (laughs) So true. Yep. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing about Fallout New Vegas is that it's such a good game, and you wouldn't know that it wasn't made by Bethesda. You wouldn't know it's an Obsidian game, and they do the Western RPG better than has ever been done, in my opinion. But the problem here is that the game was borderline unplayable for many people, and right. for others, it had at least a handful of bugs. I mean, I I play it and I love it, but it's just funny to see different things that happen. You can either overlook it, or you can take away from the game and say, well, you know, it's they released a bug-laden game. But, I mean, it is a great game, and that's why it's there, but it's just not enough to beat the others. Anytime I aim my gun, and it wants to aim my gun, like, three feet in the air, um, <laughs> yeah, not down with that. But, I mean, the same, the same argument can be made for Red Dead Redemption. 
Uh, a lot of people put that up there in their pantheon of games of 2010. And didn't oh, that yeah. start with a lot of glitches? Wasn't it like a donkey lady? And <laughs> and a couple other things like that? But, but I but guess... Very few of those made it, like, unplayable. That's I what I was like. going to say, yeah. I guess the difference would be um, it's not game-breaking. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh... uh I, oh, did Mass Effect do the first game to do the whole, you know, if you had a save file in the prequel, then it affected... That game. was it. The first game to do that. Yeah, it, yeah, least, or at least the first game to do it right. Okay. Okay. Yep. Because that, yep. that, I mean, that, that right there. Conrad Turner. <laughs> that kid. Uh, that bastard. like there, there are there were some RPGs in the mid to late nineties that tried to do that, but most of the things that transferred over were very minor things, like stats for certain characters. Or maybe one or two characters would be optional, like party members. But aside, but like they never, it was never done anywhere near the level that Mass Effect 2 did. Yep, I agree. Now I want to, I want to, um, I want to continue the Mass Effect 2 talk. But if my, if my wits are about me, I would say that with our next category, we're going to be able to do that. I just have a feeling. Coming up right now, we have the coveted 2010 Game of the Year. Category. It's a big, and big, big year. Big year for this. It's a big year, and this is our biggest category. We kept the most nominees in just to show how many contenders there really were. And the nominees were StarCraft 2, Heavy Rain, Mass Effect 2, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Alan Wake, Red Dead Redemption, and Amnesia The Dark Descent. The winner is... Mass Effect. Game, it, it absolutely deserves it. And you know, the, the craziest thing about it is this game came out on January 26th. 20, or I'm sorry, 25th. 25 days into 2010. Not to take away from these, from these, uh, from these other uh, nominees. StarCraft 2, good for the strategy crowd, not my thing. Heavy Rain, it cleaned up earlier. You know it, it did really well. Um, if you've been listening, you know that Heavy Rain... Well worth it. Galaxy 2, um, great on the Wii. Alan Wake um, brought back the whole mystery genre. Red Dead Redemption did the rest well. Amnesia, though I didn't play it, apparently scares the shit out of people. But Mass Effect 2, the, the, the carryover, the customization, the world, the story, the, the, the audio, I, easily the best complete package from this year. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you, um, Jason. I have to say, at the beginning of the year when I fir- first played Mass Effect 2, I was like, oh my god. This was amazing. This is this is obviously has got to be a contender for game of the year. But then I looked and it was still January, and I was like, "This is it's just the beginning of the year. How how could with the, with some of the titles that are coming out, how could Mass Effect Two possibly outlast all these other games and still be considered game of the year? I don't know if it can be done. And yet somehow, some way, Mass Effect Two just remain to be head and shoulders above almost every other game that came out this year. I don't know how they did it, but it, it, it still managed to be the one game that stood out, at least in my mind, as the game of the year from January till December. Mass Effect 2, Bioware, you guys kicked ass this year. You guys are great, but we're not done yet. The nominees for most anticipated game of 2011 here at GamerNode are The Last Guardian. Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, which just got in two weeks ago, Zelda Skyward Sword, Uncharted 3, Mass Effect 3. 
your most anticipated game of 2011 is Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. As it should be, I'm yes. okay with it. I'm okay with it. But I really think that the timing of these announcements really affected this category. Yes, I agree. they were still the, fresh. All the I'm excitement still, still there. All about Last Guardian. Last Guardian should have won. Uh-huh. Dude, whatever. Oh, okay, what was our game of the decade? I'm okay with Last Guardian. <clears throat> I'm okay with Last Guardian. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. But No, but all five of those look great. Uh, all, Elder Scroll. when I saw Skyrim at VGAs, I shit my pants. Uh, Mass Effect 2, we just talked about how much really they, we loved Mass Effect 2, so why not get excited for 3? But, but, but I think with 35 Game of the Year awards under its predecessor's belt, I think that the hype for Uncharted 3 is well-deserved. Oh, yes. Absolutely. You can't argue with it, really. It's the only game on this list that's made it onto late-night television. That's true. That Jimmy Fallon, first gameplay. One thing that I really love about Naughty Dog that makes me so excited for Uncharted 3 is this entire series, they've taken physics and they've just, they, they just take on challenges just because they want to. Uncharted 1, they were like, well, you know what? Nobody's really done water really, really well. It's really hard. Let's do water right. And they did. And then for number two, they were they, they went, well, well, we've mastered water. What should we do now? Snow's really hard. Let's do that. And they mastered that. And now they've gone on. Now they're taking on probably one of the hardest things that you could possibly animate in sand. And they're going to throw Nathan Drake in a desert completely full of it. Can't wait. Ooh, that's right. I forgot about Journey. Journey's not on this list. Oh. Yeah, oh. You, you know who would have voted? You know who did vote for Journey, right? Eddie. <laughs> Eddie. Of all of these, though, I think that the Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, is getting the least fair shake, or, or just people aren't paying as much attention as maybe they should. Because from what I understand, hearing from Bethesda, this game is going to be a gigantic leap, uh, an even bigger leap than from Morrowind to, to Oblivion, or from Oblivion to Fallout. And wow. uh, I'm just... I'm just very excited to see what they can do with their new engine and this new game and this new world. I have a feeling I'm, it's going to be incredible. I'm definitely excited. I know I skipped Elder Scrolls 4 until the end of my college semester that year because I knew if I played it I would fail. Yeah. So, uh, if I was that if and Oblivion and when I played it over that summer, I was right. Oblivion was that addictive and if Skyrim's a massive leap from Oblivion, I I can't wait. All right, um, and that brings us to the conclusion of another very strong year of gaming, and we expect next year to be just as great. If you like what you hear, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate and review us, and follow us on Twitter at GamerNode. Thanks for listening. For Jason Finelli, Mike Murphy, and Dan Crabtree, I'm Eddie Anzato, and this has been the Versus Node Game of the Year edition. We'll see you next time.